Well, hey, good morning, everyone. My name is Matt Rupert, and today I have the incredible opportunity to preach this message aside my best friend and my fellow campus minister in New York, Mark Persing. Now, before we speak, uh, our good friend Derek McNeil is going to share about his story of vision. Derek McNeil recently graduated from Montclair State University and now serves as a full-time intern in New Jersey campus ministry, training to be a full-time campus minister. Let's, uh, let's listen into his story. Good morning, church. My name is Derek McNeil, and I have the privilege and the opportunity, which I am so grateful for, to be just talking to you, talking to you all um, about my quick short story um, alongside my brothers Matt and also Mark. Um, so without further ado, I'm just going to jump right into it and give you a little piece of my life um, and my story. So my vision for my life originally, um, back in high school, a kid playing for the East Orange Campus High School, um, my vision was to make it pro, to get to the NFL. I had several connections or scholarships, uh, several offers. Um, schools looking at me, coaches, me visiting schools, universities, you know, everything, you know, things setting up lined up real nice. <laughs> um, and my vision was like, you know what, from there on out, I guess this is just the road I'm going to take. Um, and I'm going to take it just by the horns. Um, and my vision was starting to become, you can say, really clear and also a reality for me. However, a quick turn in the road, a fork in the road happened, and I got injured. And in this injury, it was a serious injury. Once I got injured, got a concussion, rushed to the hospital, my neuroscientist, my, neuro, my neurologist told me that there was an arachnoid cyst hanging outside my brain. And if you don't know what arachnoid cyst is really quick, it's brain fluid. And when it ruptures, it has the capacity of just spilling all over the place. So since this was hanging outside my brain, it spilled, filled up the gaps between my skull and my brain, compressing it and just making me in all types of ways sickly and just unable and immobile. Um, and this surgery was really serious. If not, if not treated, and if I continue to play football with this thing like this, could have ended in my death and at that moment my reality just fell through no longer able to play football don't have a vision anymore you know from high school until college me walking around Montclair State University as this purposeless visionless person who just is trying to find something to fill in that once you know football NFL pro dream that I once had and nothing was as grandiose as that once I of what I once had. And that took place, or that happened for about approximately two years. Um, until, <laughs> you know, this one guy, you know, doing, you know, I'm working in the IT department, just hanging outside with my coworkers. This one guy, you know, through the grace of God, had the boldness to approach me and my coworkers and to invite us out to midweek um, or just overall, you know, to, to Bible talk um, well, that was happening on campus. And, you know, months, months passed 
And I finally showed up at this Bible talk, got reintroduced to him, which is the one and only right now, Mark Singh, who's going to be preaching right now. And we jumped into a Bible study. We studied the Bible. And from there on, my vision started to become, it became another reality, but not for myself, but for God. From then on, you know, people like Matt and Mark and Rob just took the opportunity to really train me, to get me to these Bible talks, and also to give me the opportunity to become a Bible talk leader. And from there on, as you know, time progressed to be in a position I'm at right now, as from Rob and Matt, giving me the opportunity to be a full-time intern for the campus ministry through the glory of God. And this vision that I once had to be an NFL, you know, inside linebacker, I am now a campus, like a, a, train, a trainee to be a campus minister, blocking, blocking Satan's schemes and bringing more souls to the kingdom of God, which I'm totally grateful for. And as of right now, I'm still, you know, being trained, but I, I have the opportunity to, to be, to have a, a revamped vision, a vision to glorify God. Thank you for listening, and hope you have a, rest, a good rest of the morning. Derek, thanks for sharing that, man. I appreciate your, your inspiration as well as how much you refresh us. We're so proud of you and the man of God you are. Now, I love what Derek said is that, hey, God has great dreams for us. And sometimes we don't know what those are. And we, gotta help, we need help catching a vision, catching some dreams. And uh, that's exactly what Mark and I are going to be talking about today as we dive in. But I want to start in Acts chapter 2 in verse 17. And in verse 17, Peter, full of the Holy Spirit, stands up into the large crowd, says, In the last days, God says, I'll pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, your old men will dream dreams. And I'll let you figure out which, uh, which age category you're in. But something I see from this scripture is that where the Holy Spirit is, shortly behind in its wake, are men and women having vision and dreaming dreams. And that was true of the first century church, and I believe that to be incredibly true of the church today. Is that we're full of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is moving in our midst. And as the Spirit moves, that's inside you, dreams and visions follow shortly behind that. Today we're going to be looking at the life of Paul. Paul is a great example of somebody who caught a vision and then who persevered through that vision, giving his life for God. And so starting off with Paul, I don't want to say Paul, Saul, kind of just follow along with me, you know what I'm talking about. So Saul got converted into Paul, and he, over the course of the book of Acts, shares his conversion story three times. Acts 9, Acts 22, and then again in Acts 26. And something that shows me is that Paul is somebody who is intimately familiar with the, the, the incredible work that God had done in his life through his conversion. He was fully aware that if God, the God who does impossible things, was able to take someone who was killing Christians and turn them into a killer Christian, what else can he not do? That reminds me of Romans 8, verse 32, where Paul himself says, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? 
He reminds us, man, that when God transformed our life, that was just the beginning. That was the appetizer. That wasn't even the full meal. It was the appetizer that then led us to the main course, which is our life in Christ. We have something to look forward to after our baptism where God then instills in us visions and dreams and direction for our lives. The work has just begun. Now, we're going to look at Acts chapter 22. This is the second time that Paul shares his conversion story. And in Acts chapter 22, he's, he's sharing about how he's on the road to Damascus. He gets blinded. And then finally, he meets Ananias, who helps Paul catch the vision. In Acts 22, verses 14 through 16, it says, The God of our ancestors has chosen you to know his will, to see the righteous one and hear words from his mouth. You will be his witness. To all people of what you have seen and heard. And now, what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, and wash your sins away, calling on his name. Saul catches the vision. He hears it from God through Ananias where it says, Hey, you are going to be my witness. I have chosen you. You are going to make my name known. Now get up and get baptized. Get to it. And that's exactly what Paul does. I, I wish that our calling or our vision as disciples came that clearly. Now, minus the blinding and walking around for three days, like, let's forget about that part. But I wish God could just whisper to us, hey, this is my vision for you, Matt. This is my vision for you. Um, but it doesn't quite come that way. Or maybe it does. If you look in Acts chapter 26, Paul goes further into his calling, how he received his calling. And in verse 14, again, he's telling a story. He says, We all fell to the ground, and I heard a voice saying to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. All right, now, what, what, what on earth is a goad? <laughs> well, I think you think about like cattle and sheep. The, the shepherd, or the, the, the rancher, wants the animal to go in a certain direction, intends for the animal to go in a certain direction has given the animal instruction, but it needs sometimes it needs to be prodded that way. And when a cattle or a sheep fights against the prodding, it hurts itself. It's abnormal. It's unnatural. It ought to just turn and go that way. And so for Saul, he has in himself, God created, innate vision. God's given him desires, and Jesus has been prodding him and leading him down a certain path for so long, but he's fought against it. He said, that's not for me. I'm not going to do it. And so, well, whether intentionally or unintentionally, Saul went about suppressing the vision that God had given him for, for his life. And prior to studying this out, I imagine that the process of finding our vision was something akin to um, having terrible eyesight and trying on different glasses until you find the right prescription. No, not that one. No, not that one. And then eventually, oh, okay, I found the right prescription that fits me. Here's my vision. Here's my dream. And if you get lucky enough, you, you get to see where you're going as a, as a disciple. That's kind of how I would have imagined vision catching to look. But the more I looked at this, it changed my perspective of visions and dreams. You know, Jesus' vision for Paul, again, was, was innate within him. It was natural. It was part of Saul's design. 
to continue with the example of, of in the illustration of glasses in Saul's conversion story, I like to think that his vision was 2020. He saw clearly, but instead of seeing clearly, he put on glasses, he put on lenses that did not belong to him, that distorted his view, and he refused to take them off until he was blinded, and then eventually took his glasses off. Church, I can, and I'd imagine we can, so easily do the same thing with the vision that God has given us. God has designed us each with gifts and skills and hearts and tender spots in our hearts that have shaped our personality. And he's made, he's personalized your personality for you. He's helped create the person that you are. In Psalm 139, 14, in the NIV says, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. In the ESV, he says, I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. I, think the, I believe the first step to dreaming and having vision for the life that God has created is knowing and, and knowing it deeply and trusting that God created you to be a person full of wonder. That your life is God's masterpiece. That he created you in such a way to do and be far more than what our fleshly minds limit us to. I want to ask you, what glasses are you wearing today that don't belong to you? What glasses are you putting on your nose that had distorted the vision that God is calling to you? Are they spectacles of skepticism? Are they, is it um, overthinking or paralysis of analysis, having everything to be right before you can move forward? Unfortunately, it probably never will be. Shades of insecurity. Is it the fear of I'm not enough, I'm not capable? Well, I, I got some encouragement for you. Go with me on this. Is that by yourself, you are not enough. The, the best that you can do apart from God is terrible. The worst you can do with God is better than the best that you can do without him. So, all right, in terms of God's value, you're enough, but you don't need to be insecure. I struggle with it, but we don't need to wear the shades of insecurity because with God, we can accomplish so much. Are you wearing the Ray-Bans of routine? You know, maybe it's it's you've grown stale or you're drudging along. You're, man, maybe you're having the quiet times. Maybe you're doing all the right things, but it's not fresh. It's not new. You kind of feel stuck. Is that keeping you from having vision? How about optics of opinions? Maybe you've got opinions. And you know what? Opinions give spice and flavor to the church. I love them. And I got them. I'm not going to share them with you, but I got some opinions. But oftentimes, our opinions can get in the way of us being able to see the vision and direction that God is taking us to. And lastly, are you wearing a pair of preservation? Are you only trying, are you trying to maintain and control a life that is comfortable, that you know, that is, that is maybe not easy, but that you can control the different variables? Because the truth is that God's visions and dreams are often outside our boundaries of comfort. To see the vision that God has created for you, 
you for. God is calling you to stop kicking against the goads, to take the glasses off that are blinding us so that we can see what he has created. One more thought before I pass it on to Mark, that most of the time in finding vision, we need to employ the help of some Holy Spirit-filled optometrists, some eye doctors. You know, Saul had many vision doctors in the life, in his life, that actually helped inspire and clarify the vision that God had for him. We see Barnabas when Saul becomes Paul and and nobody is accepting him. They're all afraid of him and Barnabas takes him under his wing. That's a Holy Spirit filled optometrist right there. Or how about Ananias, who God literally used to communicate his vision through Ananias to bring it to Paul. That's a Holy Spirit filled eye doctor right there. We often need help to see things clearly. For me, as a teenager, a teen disciple, 16 years old, I remember Damon Curtis, as we were walking and hanging out, I remember him him, him kind of um, helping me consider doing the full-time ministry one day. Something that I thought would have been absolutely impossible for this podunk kid from West Jersey. I, I didn't even think that was an option for my life, but the vision his dream helped me see that more clearly. Nietzsche Aguaya, in my life, often just even in passing conversation, helped me have a vision for that there are greater needs. There are other needs in the world outside of New York and New Jersey. My friends Steve Kennard and Sean Barnes have helped me think about the Caribbean and the various needs in the Caribbean and how there are 25 islands that yet are yet to have churches. And the dream is to reach every beach. And it's all these Holy Spirit-filled optometrists helping me see the vision, see the needs. And in doing so, it's given me direction for my life. Now I sit as the youngest board member on the Caribbean Mission Society with a focus of strengthening the campus ministers and training the campus ministry to go and do great things all throughout the Caribbean. Because we need help. And I want to challenge you and encourage you as you're, as you're you know, just thinking about today's lesson and before Mark comes up here, I want to encourage you this week, even today, set up a time this week with a brother or sister in your life. And I want you just to say this simple thing, help me, help me find a God-filled vision. Maybe it's being a, a, a more attentive father. Maybe it's being a light in your workplace. Maybe it's going somewhere and doing something. I, I don't know. But we need help. And God has a vision handcrafted for you. We need only listen. I'm going to pass it to my brother Mark and let's keep it going. Amen. Thank you, Matt and Derek, for what each of you shared. Good morning, church. Uh, my name is Mark Persing, and my wife Hannah and I serve as campus ministers in New York City. Uh, we're so grateful to be working alongside the Novaks and our awesome uh, core leadership team in campus. It's an honor to be preaching to you all this morning and to be closing out our amazing series of summer stories. Um, you know, Matt in his first point preached about the need for us to catch a personal vision and that we're all called to have visions and dreams for the kingdom, for the kingdom of God. I'm going to talk about the need to have unhindered vision in this, in this last point, following through with the vision God has placed on your heart. So let's talk about unhindered vision. 
You know, one thing I've noticed as people have shared their lives with us each Sunday is that anytime someone decides to live out a vision for God or do something bold for the Lord, it is always met with great opposition, right? Have you guys seen that? You know, God wants to bring our visions and dreams to life, but Satan wants to silence them and get us to believe that we can't change and neither can the people around us. And the truth is, church, is that anytime we set out to do something great for God and his kingdom, we'll be met with great hindrances, with some hurdles to go through. Satan wants to hinder our visions. You know, he's fine with us coming up with something great for God or toying around with an idea, even, even fine with talking to others about it. But he doesn't want us to follow through with any vision we have for advancing the gospel. You know, we see this right at the start of Jesus's ministry, right? That he faced opposition as he was tempted by Satan in the wilderness for 40 days. Satan was trying to stop Jesus, but Jesus was unhindered. We also see this in the life of Paul, as Matt has shared. We, we read Paul's letters in the book of Acts, and we see that he faced immense hardships, persecution, and even facing death itself multiple times. But Paul's vision for the Jews and the Gentiles remained unhindered. And I want to take us to the end of the book of Acts here. In Acts 28, verse 16, it reads, When we got to Rome... Paul was allowed to live by himself with a soldier to guard him. So Paul was on house arrest in Rome. He, he leaves the island of Malta and he arrives here in Rome with a soldier always with him. But look at what Paul says here starting in verse 28. It says, Therefore, I want you to know that God's salvation has been sent to the Gentiles and they will listen. For two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Now, I don't know about you, but being under house arrest in Rome kind of sounds like a hindrance, right? It sounds like being in that situation might not be the best way for him to continue to preach the word, right? You see where I'm coming from here? What does verse 31 say, though? It says he proclaimed the kingdom of God with all boldness and without hindrance. It's not that there was nothing to stop him. It was that his faith in God was bigger than the obstacles that were there. Paul's conviction and Paul's vision for the gospel to spread remained unhindered. And you know why? Was it just because Paul is awesome and is so much better than all of us? No, it's because no one can stop God. God is unstoppable. God's work cannot be hindered. And when that's where you place your faith, your focus, and your vision, then that's what we tap into as well, this unstoppable power of God. Church, we serve a God who cannot be stopped. We're part of a kingdom that's an unshakable kingdom and an everlasting kingdom. 
I don't know about you, but I'm inspired by Paul's example here at the end of the book of Acts. I don't know what I would do if I was put under house arrest for being a Christian, but I think it would shake me up just a little bit. I think it would get me to second guess my vision and my boldness. And I mean, I want to ask you, how would you be feeling if you were in this situation right now? It's a tough situation to be in. You know, what if this was you in Paul's shoes? Living in a Roman rented house with a soldier right outside your door, how would this potentially affect your visions and your dreams for God? The truth is Paul could have given up a while ago before he even gets here to Rome. He was fully human and probably had the thought many times just to throw in the towel to stop, but he didn't. The Bible says Paul was unhindered. You know, I want to make it clear this morning that God will never hinder your vision and your heart for your family members coming to the faith, for, for your co-workers making Jesus Lord, your children giving their life to God. God will never hinder your vision. The only person that can hinder your vision is you, is yourself, is our own lack of faith. And yes, there will be people that make it hard for you, and Satan will throw curveballs your way. But even when we're met with opposition, we still have the ability, like Paul, to make Jesus Lord and to continue to live out our visions for God. I want to ask you this morning, what is stopping you from believing that God can fulfill your vision? What is hindering you today? You know, I don't know what your vision or dream is. Maybe it's to, to baptize your mom or dad. Um, maybe it's to have a family member come to know God. Uh, maybe you're just trying to grow in some area of your life or your character. Uh, maybe you're really wanting to help someone become a Christian. Um, maybe you have a, a vision to reach your neighborhood, to serve your neighborhood, and to bring justice to those who are oppressed. Maybe your vision is to serve the poor. Or maybe your vision is simply just to be used by God no matter where you're at. You know, I don't know where you're at in life right now. Um, I don't know what your specific vision is for God. But I want to ask you, where is your faith today? What has hindered your faith? You know, we've been through a crazy year and a half. And, and for, for Paul... His hindrance, not just this house arrest, but it was many, but with this specific scripture, scripture, his hindrance was this house arrest. But what about for you? You know, maybe for you it's financial challenges that have, that have stolen your faith. Maybe you've been a disciple for 20, 30 years, but your faith isn't the same as when you started. You know, maybe your past is hindering you from having a vision for your future. Maybe you've been hurt by people in the past, people that you love, and it's been hard to dream again. Maybe you're single and you've been battling to be content with where you're at and have been praying for a while to find someone, but you can feel like singlehood in a way can hinder you. You know, maybe you're new to the faith and are expecting uh, or are experiencing just the hindrance of inexperience or just being new to the kingdom and feeling like there's insecurities that come along with that. Like, what do I do? But whatever hindrance is going on in your life, whatever you're experiencing, God is bigger than that. 
God can lead you through that obstacle and onto greater faith. You know, maybe you need to open up to God and him altering your vision and your plans, right? And being open to his timing in it all. You know, if we want to have unhindered vision, we got to be flexible. Sometimes we can feel like, man, I've been praying about this for years and I've yet to see God come through on this prayer or this vision of mine. You know, maybe, maybe God's timing isn't lining up with yours, but God's timing is always better than our timing, church. You know, in 2017, God put a vision on my heart to move to New York City and help many young people come to know God and to spread the gospel across their college campuses. At that time, I was single. I was still in college in New Jersey. I was an intern, but I caught this vision for my role in God's kingdom, and I was excited about it. And 2018 came around, I graduated from college, and I thought, hey, this is it. Now is the time for me to be sent out, to be sent into Manhattan, but it wasn't God's timing yet. So I went into the full-time ministry as a campus minister in New Jersey. I, I served there for a couple years, and that's where I met Derek uh, on campus and helped him become a disciple. And I got to do life with him and many other young men for those years, and we saw many young men and women fall in love with God. It was awesome. In addition to that, while serving on staff in New Jersey, I fell in love with my beautiful wife, Hannah, and we uh, started dating and got engaged in New Jersey while living there, and we've been married for a little over eight months now. It's been incredible. And now, I'm so grateful that Hannah and I aren't just being sent into New York City to serve just one school, but to help plant the campus region of our church with an incredible team of students, and I get to do this with my best friend now, with my wife. You know, you see, I had a vision, but God had a better one. I had a dream, but God had a bigger one. I had my own timeline, but God had a more perfect one. You know, there were days where Satan would tell me lies, like, Mark, your dream's never going to happen. You're just not the guy for it. You know, someone else is going to do that. Someone else is going to be sent out. But no, God always sees our visions. He sees our hearts. He's the one that puts them there. I didn't let not going to the city hinder my vision to build God's kingdom. I, I did that where he had me while continuing to hope for the dream of New York City. You know, God always sees our dreams, right? He hears our prayer, but in his wisdom, he knew for me that now was the time, not in 2017, not in 2018, but now that this was the best time, not just for my life, but for the kingdom of God. Proverbs 19:21 says, many are the plans in a man's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. I had plans, but God had his own purpose and it always prevails. You know, as we transition into our time of communion here, I can't help but think about how Jesus had unhindered vision for us. He fulfilled God's purpose for him to be that sacrificial lamb, to be that pure atoning sacrifice. He persevered for the vision of the scriptures to become a reality in him. Hebrews 12 verse 2 says, Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer perfecter of faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. 
You know, we were the joy set before him. The cross could not stop him. We see in the Garden of Gethsemane that Jesus initially did not want to go to the cross. He cries out to God in prayer. He relied on the Father. And Jesus had and still has unhindered vision for you and for me. And we see this, the proof of it, as he goes to the cross. And as he endures the cross, being victorious over sin and death because he had vision for you and for me, and not even the cross could stop him. And so we today, because of Jesus' vision for us, we can have vision for our lives, a new hope, right? A strong confidence, man, that we're believed in by the creator of the universe. The cross is the greatest example of the work of God being unhindered. What seemed like a major hindrance became the greatest symbol of victory and hope for the world. And so let the cross and God's immense love for for us always give us vision for our lives. Let's pray together for our time of communion. Father, we are so grateful for your vision for us, God. And we see your love and your unhindered vision for us as, as you go to the cross. God, thank you for the blood that you spilled and in your body that was broken, Lord, so that we could dream for you and for the work you want to do through us, God. God, I pray that you will use us, God, that even this week that we could catch visions again, Lord, and that we can spend time meditating on how much you believe in us, Lord. God, thank you for your love. Thank you for this time to reflect on on what you've done for us and the vision you've always had for us. We love you. Praise in Jesus' name. Amen.